0: podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader. And I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology, as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I'm bringing you the astrology forecast for June 2nd to June 8th, 2021. I'll keep this introduction super short and just get into it as I share with you the audio version of what I shared to YouTube this week. You can always find these forecasts in written version at monarchastrology.com, on YouTube, my channel Sabrina Monarch, or here on Magic of the Spheres Podcast. If you're new here, I am super excited to have you. Uh, lean back, relax, and let Let this transmission carry you to a place of images and connections and a deeper felt resonance with your internal world. Much love. Oh, and one other thing, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina@monarchastrology.com, at I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. There's several hours of content there about the intersection between astrology and manifestation and magic. Uh, topic super dear to my heart. And yeah, I would love to share that with you. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com, bringing you the astrology forecast for June 2nd to June 8th, 2021. Welcome back. um, If you've been listening and welcome, if you're new here, I am an evolutionary astrologer and a clairvoyant and in the last week, um, it's occurred to me just from talking to people who, um, have tuned in, you know, who maybe know me like, uh, in my what offline life, you know, just like seeing them in the neighborhood and stuff, uh, that I use jargon in these forecasts. Like I talk about, um, in conjunct or trying or first quarter phase and things like that. And all of that is really just, um, sprinkled in there for people at, at the level who understand that. And if the jargon is just kind of not reaching you, don't worry about it. These are transmissions. The purpose of these forecasts is to connect you with um, images and emotions and connections in your own psyche, in your own heart. Um, so following along, what is evoked for you in these forecasts is all you have to do. You don't have to understand the technical stuff. If you want to understand the technical stuff, then come study with me and we'll get into that. Um, I teach an evolutionary astrology and. 10 as well as higher level alumni courses. Um, currently, nothing is open for enrollment. Classes are in session, but if you get on my mailing list, that's a great way to stay in touch about when things open. So if, you, um, if you're here, you know, like this video, leave a comment at some point and let me know what you resonate with or what you think. And also, please um, subscribe to this channel and hit the notification bell so that you get um, notified of when new videos come out. <clears throat> so this week, Venus enters Cancer and trines Jupiter in early Pisces. Jupiter entered Pisces quite recently. So the two of them will link up in early water signs. Mars in Cancer will exact in opposition to Pluto and Capricorn. Venus and Mars and cancer bring an emotional charge into our midst, um, an intensification of feeling and resulting intelligence about our desires as a result, um, and deeper pathways into our authenticity. Our relationships to all of the astrological archetypes, the zodiac, the planets, etc. These are all filtered to some extent through culture and history. Inevitably, um, Pluto and Capricorn, I say that because all of the archetypes are um, essences. They have a life beyond how we interpret them. They have a life beyond how society has interpreted them. It's a really important part of astrological learning to get beyond uh you know, memes or popular culture stereotypes about the signs and to get into their deeper truths. And that's always going to be a mystery initiation path where you're in conversation, you know, with these energies. And when we come in with this idea that we know the signs or, you know, I would never date blank sign or something, you know, we come in with these assumptions and really this truncated perspective of the sign, as opposed to treating the sign like an infinite mystery school to which you can receive deeper and deeper and deeper initiations. The ticket, of course, being humility and believing that these archetypes are richer than you even imagine. Right. So these archetypes are filtered through our social conditioning, our familial conditioning. And so part of working with astrology can be really unraveling some of these things. And Pluto currently in Capricorn since 2008, um, has been like an ongoing investigation and exposure of our cultural unconscious. So, you know, the collective unconscious, the cultural unconscious, the personal unconscious, there's these different gradients. How we have merged so deeply with our conditioning that we see it as a reality itself and not just a conditioned or subjective value. Right. Like here um, in the United States, there's such a thrust towards individualism. And uh, there's a lot of ways being an Aries sun, you know, that I totally vibe with that energy and can recognize that it's also culturally influenced for me to think that way. There are times when cultural conditioning does not jive well with our internal truth or needs and this often results in stress in our organism and spirit. So what are those cultural values that people in culture, just like the general consensus around you is like, well, that's just the way it is. And you don't jive with that. It doesn't land well in your body. You don't. It doesn't sit as like a, an ideal for you. So when this stress response arises from the difference between our internal inherent needs and our circumstances and conditioning, like where those don't match, the energetic is a lot like a baby or a child crying. Babies and children are often not logical in their distress. Emotion is primal. Emotion is beneath the stories or the reason. And caregivers have to discover how to relate to the distressed child. And this can vary from yelling at and shaming the child to like get it together or, you know, it's it's inconvenient that you're acting out this way. Can you just figure it out or calm down, Um, you know, versus really, truly dropping in and empathizing and being with um, and any variations herein, you know, as a mindfulness practice, really check in with how you respond to emotional distress in yourself and other people. There's a lot of information in there. So intrapsychically, and this is existing within the personal mind psyche, that's what intrapsychic means. um, We contain both the distressed one and the caretaker. The degree to which we approve of, care for, and responsibly approach our emotions has ramifications on nearly every area of our lives. The challenge and invitation along the Cancer-Capricorn axis, which is activated this week, you know, Venus entering Cancer later in uh, Venus's transit through Cancer will also oppose Pluto and Capricorn, and we have Mars and Pluto in Cancer-Capricorn exact this week, so... It's an activated polarity right now. The challenge and invitation along this axis of Cancer and Capricorn is how we construct or design an actual life or lifestyle that is in tune with our emotions, such that we do not have to suppress our emotions to constantly, you know, get in line, get with the program, get it together. Or that we are not constantly soothing ourselves to cope with a misaligned lifestyle, you know, treating the symptoms as opposed to working with the root, but that our actual life may continually and fluidly reflect our deepest truth emotions as a gateway to this truth in a lot of sense. So this kind of engagement takes real commitment to unraveling both social conditioning and stagnant egoic patterns. So the ways that you have historically showed up to life, and I love evolutionary astrology for personal meditations on understanding the natal chart of like, what's your pattern? What's your egoic pattern that you've brought into this lifetime? Amazing material to learn. Um, this kind of engagement takes self-awareness and a commitment to leading our lives from a place of depth, self-awareness. All of the cardinal signs, uh, relate to leadership and that's Aries, cancer, Libra and Capricorn. And I think with Aries and Capricorn, we're like, yeah, sure leadership. And we go, you know, but Libra leads with, um, diplomacy or relating or connecting or reaching out, um, with beauty, with harmonizing. And cancer leads with the emotions. This is how I feel and the strength of our emotions leading our compass. Um, and I think that emotions in terms of, of really being grounded with what's actually happening in our psyches and our bodies um, and being able to relate to that as intelligence as a navigational tool in life um, is a really profound embodiment practice. So transits and weeks like this, with what we have going on, um, I think point us back to our internal homemaking, how we reside ultimately in ourselves and carry ourselves everywhere we go. So a few announcements before I get into the transits in more detail. One is that uh, my novel, The Garden of Sleeping Hammers, is now available for purchase. You can order uh, paperback um, or hardcover on um, Barnes and Noble, and I'll leave the links in the notes. And I'm going to be opening up a Kickstarter soon to fund the seventh year of Monarch Astrology, June 1st, Mark's. Monarch Astrology's seventh birthday. So, we're looking at the beginning of the seventh year of weekly astrology forecasts. And in the last few years, I've also added Magic of the Spheres podcast and this YouTube channel. And so, this Kickstarter is a way to um, financially support and give back uh, for this free content that I share every single week. And I'll be offering a lot of really cool things. Um, I'm looking at a you know, creating like a, a series, a course around creative writing and, um, a few of the other offerings I'm still finalizing. So I won't say what they are yet, Uh, but I'll be announcing it soon. And I really look forward to, um, connecting with you, uh, through these offerings. Um, I'll be offering astrology readings as well. Um, so yeah, I will announce that here in my mailing list and everywhere. You can also find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. And I don't have a new episode of Magic of the Spheres this week, but I'm gathering some more interviews, um, so I'll be back soon. Okay, June 2nd, 2021, Venus enters Cancer at 6.19am Pacific, and Venus is going to stay in Cancer until June 26th. So not super long. Uh, Moving quickly through Venus entering an inward water sign calls to presence self-love, a magnetism that emanates from within. And self-love is a is a phrase that gets dropped so often that I think it loses its charge in some sense. Um, I'm talking about self-love as an embodied discovery, like falling in love with yourself and the magic and the magnetism that comes with that. Cancer also deeply relates to bonding and attachment, though self-love creates a strong foundation from which to relate to others because the, you know, it's important we don't have to be singularly dir- directional about it where if self-love, then love with others. Who's going to love you if you don't love yourself? Like, you know, that's like an infographic or some kind of meme that goes around. And um, the reality is that, you know, community and connection with others is important and that we are social creatures. So again, American individualism, (laughs) I'm aware, right? So the idea of like, you know, you have to love yourself first for others to love you. Sure. Um, The deeper thing there is that when we don't have access to filling our own cup, so to say, when we don't feel like we can resource ourselves with love, or we don't have access to that, uh, between our connection with the divine or how we relate to all of life, then we, um, become more dependent on on others to be that source. Right. And it's like other people, where are they getting that, (laughs) you know, is it then the relationship might become, this kind of construct where it becomes like source to us because that's where we feel like we're receiving our nourishment. And there's a difference in how we relate and show up. And I think you know a lot of you listening already know this, and it's just a constant reminder that when we have access to creating our own happiness and well-being, and we don't outsource that to other people or to relationships, that we come to relationships in a much more creative generative place, as opposed to using our relationships to fulfill basic needs that the relationship may not be the proper, um, outlet for that being said, you know, being in relationship is important, whatever stage that we're at. So I think there is something incredibly tender about wanting love from the external, wanting validation from the external and coming back to yourself and finding how to take yourself out on fun dates and outings, um, how to cook for yourself, how to um, put yourself to bed, you know, whatever it is that you're doing to really show up for yourself and build that bonding or that connection with yourself so that you show up to relationship with that in practice, um, I've found cancer can be a challenging sign to cultivate a healthy, generative relationship with because cancer points to so many unconscious and developmental aspects of our psyche. One has to really be willing to see beyond their ordinary filter. And cancer isn't in, a, in of itself that objective. Um, cancer relates to our emotional and ego patterns that have been conditioned over time in this lifetime and in previous ones. So when I say cancer is challenging like that, um, there's a developmental quality to it. So it can take time and nourishment to get to a place of maturity or inner capacity to see certain things. Like we might just not be ready for it at certain phases of our journey. Um, and so like cancer can relate to staying at home or being in your comfort zone, as well as creating a beautiful palace and like inner world, right? Um, We can get stuck in our personality and not even notice that we're doing that. Um, But I think, you know, one telltale sign of being stuck in our personality is um, getting off on complaining, like having a problem and just, loving to talk about it and thinking that it's the world's fault or other people's fault. Um, And, you know, not being happy, but being comfortable being unhappy in that pattern. Like that is a telltale telltale sign of being stuck in the ego. And um, there's a certain level of either just developmental readiness or internal leadership towards emotional responsibility and well-being to necessarily grow up in certain ways and take greater responsibility. Um, On the other hand, whatever ease or resource or privilege that we've already inherited in this life, um, like a mostly happy childhood or nourishment, forms of nourishment we received growing up, or a safe environment or a certain skill or affinity that was passed down through our ancestral lineage, like it was just part of our life growing up and, you know, we're good at it now because we grew up with it. These are all also cancer things and they're um, a natural gift and personal resource. So you can identify what those things are too, you know, um, what just comes so easily to you because you grew up with it and it was part of your conditioning. As we are adults, we become more responsible for how we nest into our nervous systems and to make a home in ourselves and to adapt a adopt, always catching typos here, adopt personality structures that support our well-being as opposed to simply thickening our egoic defenses with our personality, right? So um, let's take a personality pattern as an example here. Um, People-pleasing, right? Like abandoning the self in order to create resonance with another person and kind of going along with them. There's some reason that that developed maybe, you know, as a way to feel secure, as a way to feel connected, maybe to a caregiver or an environment growing up where you weren't seen or your needs weren't really appropriately acknowledged. And in order for you to receive love or feel connected, you had to kind of go along with the other person. Right. And so if you have that personality pattern and you're still running it, it becomes your responsibility to one, identify that you have that pattern, and two, shift the pattern by making different choices and tracking yourself falling into that and learning how to um, speak your truth. And it's not going to feel good in the nervous system, likely, if you have a habituated pattern of being a people pleaser, if you're going to say something that rocks the boat or brings tension into the room, um you're going to feel your heart rate go up a little bit or some other kind of stress response. And it's about becoming used to you know, expanding the nervous system to be able to embody behaviors that have been uncomfortable for you to embody before. And it's not that those behaviors are wrong or bad. It's just that they're not familiar to you and your system isn't habituated to them yet. Right? So... The ego, when I say thickening our ego defenses, it would be like just staying in that people pleasing pattern. And you can see how if you do that and when it's no longer true and you're just developing this really thick wall between your authenticity and your heart and the world around you um, with your personality, with patterns that you're running that aren't the deepest part of who you are. Right. This is why like a lot of the work that I do with astrology is about. Altering the personality, deconditioning, unraveling parts of the personality, as well as embodying other parts, Uh, because the personality is like a vehicle that we that the soul lives inside of and moves through the world with. And we want access to a deeper range um, in our personality and don't want to be stuck in loops or programs that don't actually uh, get us where we want to go in life, but actually keep us stuck um, in some kind of karmic loop. The cancer shadow is immature, damsily, easily victimized. Uh, You hurt me. You made me feel watch out for even just using that language. It's so conditioned in English to say uh, this event, this person made me feel this happened and it made me. Um, And that's a really common language construction, but it imprints our subconscious. So thinking about even just changing it to this thing happened. And I felt because it's okay to respond, but the language of another person making you feel, you know, is implying that they had that power over you. Right. And I know a lot of us don't consciously mean it that way, but it, it gets in there. It really does. So people's problem with cancer, as I see it, is not that they feel too much emotions aren't the problem. It's that they attempt to manipulate others with their emotions or make others responsible for creating the conditions in which they could feel better. You go over there and act this way so that I can feel as opposed to these are my desires. And this is like, these are my desires. This is what I'm creating in my life. Are you interested in this? And having the range to create bonds from that place as opposed to being attached and being like, you have to change so that I can feel okay. Right. And this whole thing that I'm speaking here to exists within the broader historical and cultural context of patriarchal conditioning and the suppression of the feminine, which includes emotion, like don't feel so much, get it together, you know, like that kind of value, Um, really kind of stunts the developmental arc that is wanting to occur through the full range or expression or realization of our emotions. Because one could be destructive and throw destructive tantrums with their emotions. And then the logical conclusion is like, we'll just put that away and behave, right? But sometimes having an emotional outburst internally, and even just feeling that sizzling content within is actually revealing to us a sense of dissonance or non-alignment with the choices that we're making or the environment that we're in. And so being able to process that and digest that as opposed to suppress it would naturally result in us having to change our lives and changing our lives is inconvenient. Is it not, you know, Venus in cancer in its heights contains all the pleasures of feeling truly connected to ourselves and feeling like our heart is our home. We are appropriately protective of the spaces that we create with our deep inner magic. Others feel safe and unburdened in our presence. We deepen an intimacy and trust with our loved ones and have the skill of knowing how to place ourselves in welcoming relationships and environments, as opposed to being drawn to relationships and environments that reflect our attachment trauma. Right? So... When you're at a job interview and there's this very business like conversation about the expectations of the job and uh, what the salary is going to be or, you know, what skills you need to have, like either side of the interview that you're on. There's this kind of um, at best honest (laughs) conversation about the job expectations and, you know, the people involved in relationship, being able to have that, um, skillful awareness of what do I want to create? Um, and what do I need to know about the container, about this connection, what we both want, what we're both aspiring toward before we get super attached and involve our hearts and feelings, um, And that this kind of attitude towards connection is not popular. The main narrative is that we just kind of collide into each other randomly and fall in love and um, have some kind of whirlwind romance. And we never talked about anything serious until we just kind of realized, like, oh, we like each other. We're going to make a life now. Like, there's this kind of... um, Accidental quality, or like I wasn't even looking for love, and it just slapped me across the face, and here I am. Like that's a, a really popular kind of attitude, as opposed to you know. And there's a lot of um, relational discord on the planet. A lot of people not feeling like they're getting what they need, um, or that they don't feel satisfied, or that dating is hard, or whatever, whatever. It's an area of life that um, I think maybe true to part of cancer's archetype of sidestepping the crab (laughs) sidestepping that these conversations about, you know, one looking inward, taking inventory of what we want, what kind of life we're trying to create, um, understanding how people show up accordingly to those desires, where there's a match, where there's not, and being able to put those things on the table and having a mature adult conversation about desires. Right. Um, Attachment trauma is a a different thing where you have maybe like avoidant style people and anxious style people magnetically attracted to each other and kind of reinforcing the traumas. Um, Because instead of going into, say, just like have a connection and be in relationship, there's this need to, you know, receive Validation or approval, or just have someone mirror the traumatic patterns that are still encoded in the ego structures, um, if that makes any sense. So, I think like really deep Cancerian engagement is understanding how do I want to make a home in this life, in myself, in connection with others, and how do I become responsible for creating that nest? And there's a discernment of who we let in to our heart and inner circle with cancer that is really important. And another side of cancer is like an early attacher that just is so hungry for love and wants to, you know, as soon as the the person who may fulfill that fantasy appears, there's a sense of anxious. Oh, I want you, I need you. Right. Um, as opposed to feeling that maybe vetting process or job interview process, And there's a way that that can be heart open and not some kind of crusty testing another person being close to love, close hearted kind of thing. It can be incredibly open hearted, but just emotional caretaking for the self. So Venus and Cancer could be a time to reflect and be aware of our relationship to emotion and the messages and signals our emotions bring us and how responsible we can be here in tending to what is being revealed what's showing up for us, as opposed to infantilizing ourselves with notions of how our feelings are others' fault. You made me feel this way, you know, that energy. Our emotions are a powerful navigational tool that can initiate personal unraveling, knowledge, and shifts in direction. As we are in touch with this inner navigation and make choices and relate to others from a place of awareness... And presence here, we cultivate intimacy in our lives. I hope, you know, it, it's becoming clear that the kind of leadership that Cancer represents in terms of emotional intelligence and relating to the world from an emotionally intelligent place is a profound and important skill set. Where we judge our own emotions, bypass them, attempt to control them, et cetera, we also accept a lifestyle and relationships that reflect this choice. Right. If you think your emotions don't matter, you'll put yourself in circumstances that grain on you in a way and you're like, I just have to accept this, right? Or if you judge your emotions, if you have shame, you will more easily hook into other people's shaming of you. Perhaps emotions are so scary and threatening for those who it is. And I think we all have our range of where emotions become scary. Uh, Perhaps this is because they bring us to our knees. Uh, Emotions really confront, confront us with what is true versus where we are just trying to force our way along a path that isn't true and isn't nourishing, even if we still created likely tumultuous attachments to those patterns or ways of being. I'm attached to being this way, even though it hurts. I'm attached to being connected to this environment, even though it hurts, because it's comfortable. I like it here. You know, Uh, we do that. The ego does that. Like sunflowers naturally face the sun, cancer involves the process of moving toward nourishment. If we consider our humanness, the natural bio-spiritual creature that we are, We might consider how we tend to discovering what we truly need and giving that to ourselves and placing ourselves in the most suitable environments and relationships. Venus and Cancer could support this necessary type of sensitivity, as well as the practice of embodying the energy of home and security such that we bring that frequency wherever we go. June 3rd, 2021. The sun in 13 degrees of Gemini will try and Saturn retrograde in 13 degrees of Aquarius at 12.05 p.m. Pacific. This alignment of the sun, creativity, and Saturn, structure, in air signs could relate to some need or benefit around mental organization. There are infinite numbers of variations of thought forms, Gemini, we could generate or be in relationship with in general. But for any station of thought, so Saturn and Aquarius, uh, I see as radio stations of consciousness, the bliss channel, the anxiety channel, etc. Like any theme, any emotion, any frequency has infinite range, you know, but it's archetypally coherent. Um, So there's also infinite thought forms available in any of those channels. Sometimes people have mental resistance towards setting parameters, the scope of a project, for example, because they don't like the idea of limitation, but creative constraints or parameters might enable a direction or focus that was not possible without the boundary. Some parameters really enhance creativity. What might they be for you? I think Saturn and Aquarius has a lot to do with mental health as well. And thinking about the, the general frequencies of thought forms that we tune into. And so, um, like, for example, for me, with creating and creating a lot of content and uh, consistently over years, I don't have a lot of space that I grant to um, perfectionism or a harmful, persecutory self-critique. I just don't really like to entertain that channel because for me... Um, I can go back and look at things I created and have, uh, criticism and look at something I'm doing and be like, mm, I want to edit that and do it different this time. Um, so I can work with that information to do better the next time, but I don't dwell in the self-flagellation or self-punishment of I suck or I'm terrible or any of that because it's just not productive. I don't like the consequences of that thought channel frequency. I don't want to go there. Um, and I feel like that's a kind of mental boundary that's actually connected to mental health for me. Right. Um, another example could be, um, I have a friend who would say this thing that always stuck with me. This was years ago. What would the version of myself who loves herself do today? And just tuning into that self-love frequency and aligning with that channel, And I think that becoming mentally organized in this way is a um, is a process of engaging your thoughts in a very sober way um, and also like rewriting them as necessary or tuning into higher frequencies or higher channels of thought. So like another practice is if I have something on the horizon that I'm anxious about and I know why I'm anxious about it because I have a list of all my fears and anxieties, um, I actually go in and um, rewrite the situation, or I come up with a different frame of looking at it. That's more empowering. And then that horizon, that event comes up and I'm better prepared mentally, emotionally, I'm less anxious, et cetera, because I handled it, you know? Um, so just thinking about that kind of thing, um, there is, you know, cause I was just talking about feeling your feelings and that's great you should feel your feelings and then sometimes uh, a little bit of structure or discipline is actually emotionally resourceful um like hmm like for me if i was going down a rabbit hole of feeling self-persecutory um I don't have to shame myself or put an extra layer of shame on that. I'm feeling that way, but I can tend to myself and kind of bring in this more authoritative, um, parental kind of consciousness. That's like, Hey, like it's okay. I feel you like spend a little bit of time there, be with that emotion and then transition it into something higher um, and kind of like problem solve for myself. So I find that to be very Saturnian and have something to do with like mental maturity or mental boundaries. So I think this is a really important, you know, speaking of sun trine Saturn, when sun and Saturn come together, it's a lot about how we facilitate our happiness and creativity as opposed to blocking it out because if my persecutory consciousness or your persecutory consciousness is so strong that you actually stifle your creativity, that's like a misuse of Saturn. It's using Saturn as a tyrant instead of as a facilitator. And so with Saturn, I find it's important to really, um, learn how we relate with this kind of authoritative part of ourselves. Is it a punisher? Is it mean, um, or is it very facilitating and supportive um, and, you know, has your back. Same day, Venus in one degree of Cancer will trine Jupiter in one degree of Pisces at 4.33 p.m. Pacific. At this time, Jupiter and Pisces can represent an expansion and visionary feeling, being able to taste your vision or opening up to deeper vistas of spiritual expansion and even ecstatic experience. I love, you know, build that ecstatic muscle build that range for ecstasy. Um, Jupiter and Pisces can really amplify the sense that our dreams are possible or that we can dream in the first place. Again, facilitate, not block, but we're not speaking of Saturn here, but I do think that Saturn is in the room when it comes to uh, issues of expansion. Saturn relates to limitation, right? So you can dream as big as you want. You have to confront your inner gatekeepers who say that you can't. With Venus and Cancer forming a first quarter phase trine here to Jupiter, again, doesn't matter if you understand that jargon, it's just for those who do, uh, there is a beneficial opening here around nesting ourselves into this visionary future. How do we intimately participate with the dream that we are holding or shaping? So it's not just a vision, but you're actually kind of like shaping the clay. Nesting into a vision can look like engaging in feeling states of concrete activities that are in relationship with the vision, like how you would design or furnish a home to create a particular energy or aesthetic experience nesting into life in a broader sense is basically the same. You see the whole picture of your life like you assess the entire home and you design it adding loving touches and playing with your creative capacity to give life to particular experiences. I think like for me for example you see I have a bike here um and I have like a, a deeper overall intention around like playing more and having more fun. And, you know, the bike, it wasn't like such a, um, more fun equals get a bike. Uh, that thought process wasn't completely, you know, it was an underlying deeper intention that I'm watering and playing with, you know, moving to a new city just for pleasure, because I have a connection to this place. Um, building a life here in a sense, there's a way that like, Um, you know, the bike will not be like permanently in my like living space. Eventually I'll put it in a garage uh, when I have my own space kind of thing. But like, there's a way that I view the bike as an extension of like nesting uh, because it creates access to an experience that involves feeling states of, you know, being out in the sun and going by beautiful places and stuff like that. So I consider that a form of nesting into life, Um, getting this microphone, Uh, It was like nesting for creating a podcast. Um, I think when you get gear or tools or um, props for something that you're creating in your life, you are nesting. I love this for fashion too, you know, dressing to express yourself. You're like nesting into your physical expression. Um, There's other ways we could look at it. I just like to think of it as nesting because you're uh, I think of cancer, cancer is like very weaving, you know, like there's a sense of this like circular motion and kind of like wrapping and swaddling and like, uh, building just a holistic vibe. Um, and so when we weave choices or actions into our life that are part of a greater intention, uh, we are nesting in some sense. So June 5th, 2021, Mercury retrograde in 23 degrees of Gemini will square Neptune in 23 degrees of Pisces at 12.05 p.m. It's so funny. Like I got I got sunburnt yesterday. And um when I was buying the like sunscreen, I saw all this aloe and I was like really attracted to it, but I didn't buy it. But it formed this really strong mental picture. And then yesterday I was telling my friend as I was like putting on this spray on sunscreen, I was just like, I always miss a spot. (laughs) I don't know why I just do. Um, and I think that those were two moments I could have slowed down and kind of thought and then maybe prevented getting a sunburn. Um, but I did get this, you know, big sunburn on my leg. And I was like, how did I miss this whole big spot? Went back, you know, bought the aloe and whatnot, but I could see, oh yeah, I had these moments where I was getting signals to like do something, do a more thorough job of taking care of my skin, right? Um, So an impulse at this time with this transit might be to overlook the details in favor of a bigger picture and then to go back and worry about those details later. Oh yeah, I think I sprayed my whole body. Maybe I missed a spot, whatever, (laughs) you know? In some situations, this can be unfavorable where due diligence is needed as a preparatory step. In other situations, this could be favorable, such as taking a leap, um, a leap of faith and knowing you'll deal with the stuff that comes up along the path later. Like you didn't have to forever stall in the place of getting ready. You're like, I'm going to start this endeavor, start this business, and I'll learn as I go. Because you can't prepare for every single thing sometimes. Sometimes it just comes up along the path. So seek to listen listen to your intuition here. It could be as simple as leaving the house in an outfit that you recognize is uncomfortable or not that easy to move in, but you're leaving for an outdoor dance party where you are going to need to move. So you go back inside to change clothes and you end up feeling a lot better with your change of outfit. Like you didn't override that mental, like, "Mm, I should change, you know, sometimes those simple hunches, like you need to grab a particular object to take in your bag for the day are correct and worth heeding. And I think that this Mercury-Neptune, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a fog that sets in, like for me with the sunscreen thing and just being like, eh. it's like I totally saw it coming, but in this fog and I could have prevented it. Um, and that's kind of a pattern I see sometimes with Mercury retrogrades. So if you notice that certain hunches are coming to you and they're just, they could be things like putting gas in your car or whatever it is. Um... Maybe you're saving yourself a hassle when you listen to those intuitions. Then Mars in 26 degrees of cancer will oppose Pluto retrograde and 26 Capricorn at 1245 p.m. There's a building of emotional intensity and the potential for outbursts, explosiveness, tantrums, things of this nature. There's likely an unconscious pressure or component here that relates to the Explosiveness. So, looking at Pluto and Capricorn, unconscious pressure. The suppression of emotions, for example, leading them to come out with more force when they do. Or resentment being a reflection of being bound in patterns of self betrayal or dishonesty, doing things we don't actually want to do or not advocating for our desires or needs, and then being increasingly upset about it later in a delayed kind of way. No matter how self-aware we already are, life's evolution is spiralic and we can always expand or go deeper. So in this way, the work of getting to know ourselves and living skillfully never ends, nor should we need it to. That's not what we're doing here on earth. And if you want to stop engaging, um, it's like not living. So just knowing like, yeah, like this, is, we're here for the, the ride, live it up. Um, the path is just as magical as the imagined destination. So feeling explosive, I just want to say, uh, it can be an indicator of like failure, like failing to account for a certain part of reality, but it depends, you know, how charged failure is, as a concept for you. Like, again, for me, if I think I failed at something, um, it's not that big of a deal to me. It's not like a reason to, persecute myself. It's just an honest, like, Oh, that didn't work. Right. Another way to look at it though, um, is that it's not necessarily an indicator of failure when something explodes, right. It's a moment of peak, um, awareness where our emotions become loud enough to reveal previously unconscious elements and motivations of our experience back to us. And as someone, you know, I feel like I've tracked the pattern of explosive emotionality for many years now. And it um, is a big teacher of mine. And it shows me often what has been neglected, because when something is neglected or suppressed, it comes out in a more crisis kind of form. So now that I've been working with that pattern for years with self awareness, a lot of what comes up to me. it's not an explosion that's out of control. It's like a, a peak full moon internal level of awareness that then initiates deeper self-reflection and contemplation and maybe, uh, constructive change. Right. So being willing to play the game of if something is coming up in an explosive way or with a lot of pressure, um, That there's a deeper indicator there that there's something that has been suppressed or something that has not been, you know, like for example, to sometimes those peak moments of awareness reveal years of an unconscious pattern. Um, I've been experiencing that lately too, of seeing myself do something and be like, wow, I've I've been doing this thing for my my whole life and I'm just seeing it now and I'm just seeing the consequences it forms. And wow, like now that I have this awareness, I can change like that's actually empowering. Something to consider with this Mars opposition Pluto transit might be if you have an outlet. For not simply displacing your aggression or emotional intensity, like boxing or doing hot yoga to express your frustration, but then staying in the same frustrating situation and using the outlet to um, manage your symptoms, but not address the root cause. Uh, Instead of that, for moving the energy in a way that makes space for new choices, you might still do the thing, still throw a tantrum, dance, do hot yoga, be in the ceremony the ceremony of that experience and the things it reveals to you. Um, In doing that, you take the cue to do something to change your situation or to liberate blocked energy and allocate it somewhere more beneficial. So for me, you know, this has been looking like noticing when I'm upset. While Mars has been in cancer, it's a very emotionally hot transit. Noticing my distress, going into it fully in a contained you know, mature, responsible way, like not lashing out or, um, off-gassing it to someone else, um, without asking for consent. Like if I'm asking for advice or asking for guidance, but not like lashing out at people, like being with the experience, um, so fully going into it, getting weird, like really (laughs) getting weird with it. And then seeing, The kind of like shamanic transformation that comes from that depth of emotional experience, seeing the patterns, finding the wisdom in it and from fully confronting it, noticing that naturally a new way of operating in the world arises as opposed to noticing I'm uncomfortable and doing something to soothe it. Like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Like, let me run away from this. Like, literally go for a run. I don't really run. Uh, let me do something to distract myself. And then when I'm done feeling distracted, kind of go back to the status quo and continue to just be in this frustrating situation. No, to actually take the time, go into ceremony with the fullness of that feeling, feels like I'm on drugs or something. (laughs) Like it feels like a psychedelic journey. And then in that full peak expression of the thing, it's hard to go back to the status quo because I see things differently. So just thinking about, you know, what it is for you, I think that this is something where, you know, we're missing those like fires in the village or something and like the dancing and stomping things out. Um, I feel really, you know, resourced in the sense that I have friends who are coaches and embodiment facilitators, and I'm part of that community and, you know, uh, spend a lot of time thinking about emotional alchemy and how to like transform consciousness and stuff. So there's tools, right? So, I think that this is a growing cultural movement, embodiment, or, you know, emotional alchemy and thinking about, you don't have to know how to do it in some professional way, per se, right? Um, That helps. That's great. It's great to have coaches or guides or facilitators in some sense. And I think that that is important and something to like really invest in. I'm also talking about what it means to be alone with yourself in a room with music, moving your body, um, talking to yourself in the mirror, like letting yourself kind of be weird and embody and express the frustrations that you're feeling in a private way with yourself, confronting that part of yourself, confronting your own inner madness, even, you know, like that's how it feels for me. It's also Eros. It's also, it's aliveness. Um, and letting that move in a way that is instinctual and intuitive, that works too. Um, I've been doing it my whole life, I would say. Um, when i'm actually letting myself and not suppressing it cuz that is another thing that we're kind of conditioned to do in this culture um and i've found significant uh liberty and transformation in the last several years having worked with coaches and embodiment teachers and people who um have given me more tools and skill sets for uh moving uh with emotion so just to put that out there that um that world exists and you can also experiment. Um, so thank you for listening. And we are on the, um, on the threshold of another eclipse, June 10th. So I'll be back with information about that, but you know, mind you, we are still in eclipse season. Go ahead and like this video, leave a comment. Um, stay tuned for the upcoming Kickstarter. Stay tuned as well for when spots to work with me one-on-one in a coaching capacity open up again. And um, yeah, thank you. I love you. And I'll see you again soon.